Hey, welcome to Cats Got Our Tongues. This is Jacob Rodriguez. I'm the sports editor at the University Star. This is the podcast where we talk about Texas State and Texas State athletics. Uh, I'm here with one of my reporters. I'll just let himself introduce himself. Hello, I'm Colton McWilliams. I'm one of the sports editors at the University Star. So glad to be here and let's talk about basketball. Yeah, let's uh, let's go ahead and bite the bullet early here, Colton. So uh, for those of you who maybe do keep up with Texas State Athletics or maybe don't keep up with Texas State Athletics, uh, the Bobcats had a pretty historic season. They went on a 10-0 run and did a lot of other things that are like kind of milestones of any program. Uh, but they've kind of petered out in a weird way too. And I, I think me and Colton will kind of just give a little bit of a rundown. But heading into the Sunbelt Conference Tournament, we're a four seed, right? Yeah, four seed. We go ahead and play South Alabama. We win that game by a score of 79 to 67. Pretty decent. And probably like one of the better games that Texas State played for the entirety of the season. You know, uh, even Richie Riley would say, he's the Jaguars head coach, would say that the, bandle, the, the Bobcats handled their business. Uh, Riley would again say they came up with a chip on their shoulder and handled their business. Riley said they were really uh, they really whipped us from a physical standpoint on both sides. I think they have an excellent chance to win this thing. It's going to be an excellent finish, Riley said. And then what happened, Colton? And then then we played Georgia State. We the, played Georgia State, the and, one seed. Well, we crapped the bed. That's the best way to put it. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you want to give us a little bit of a rundown of that game, Colton? Like I said, it was just like Georgia State just appeared to be the better team. I mean, our guys just were, wasn't hitting our shots. It was like towards the end of the regular season when we played South Alabama in UTA, kind of the same stuff. We just weren't hitting our shots. The offense wasn't going. And then Georgia State was just getting hotter and hotter and hotter. And it was kind of like the same old story when you watch the, like, the last two regular season games. And for both of those games, we were, you know, this season, a lot of people have talked about the free throw shooting just being horrendous. Both of those games, we were above 70%. In the first game against South Alabama, we were up 77.1% on free throws. We were 27 for 35. And the second game, we were 15 for 16. So that's roughly 93.8%. Mm-hmm. If you want, you can round that to a four, 94.7, make it even. Um, in both cases, and in throughout the postseason, Trey would lead the team. But I, I just think this was a horrible way to send out the Bobcats. Uh, into the postseason, really wanted to win out the Sun Belt and kind of make some of those March Madness predictions true that we would, you know, become like a 14 or a 16 seed and play somebody, get in the dance at all. Yeah, like I said, a lot of the expectation is like, yeah, we're going to make it to the championship to the championship, and we're going to win the Sun Belt. First time since like 98, 99. And like there was a lot of hype around the season. And when you kind of just like flatline towards the end, it, you just kind of, takes like the breath out of like what they accomplish and not to take anything wrong, but like this was a really great season. Like we hadn't seen this success in almost like a decade. The best or, success I think that any team has had under the Danny Casper era oh, yes. for sure. Um, so I, I just think this was kind of a really poor way to send uh, the seniors out, Trey Lorraine's Nottingham and Alex Peacock. Um, Casper would say in the press conference following the Georgia State game that Alex only got four shots, but Alex is our best three-point shooter, Casper said. If there is one thing I wish we could have done, it's gotten him more looks shooting the ball. I don't think Nigel Pearson played a very good game, and I think he'll be the first person to tell you that, Casper said. Last time I saw this was two years ago when we were in the championship game. I think Nigel gets so revved up sometimes and wants to play so badly, it can affect him in a negative manner. I don't think it's a bad thing in terms of wanting to go. He's a very competitive person. At times, I wish he would just dial it down a notch. And you could see that again um, 
well, we didn't really get to see that again, actually, because uh, Nigel Pearson wouldn't suit out. I think it was uh, some sort of a muscle contusion that he suffered in practice, and he was hoping to play in the second round of the consolatory black, uh, bracket play, excuse me, that Texas State would find itself mm-hmm. in in the College Insiders basketball tournament. Yeah. And we would be seated up against FIU. Seedings were kept, and standings alone were, were kept pretty secretive uh, going into the first round at least. Uh, but FIU, we'll, we'll see you again in the collegeinsiderbasketball.com tournament. So this is the poorest example I think I've ever seen of this team in real life. Uh, obviously, your leading scorer, Nigel Pearson, is out. Um, but that was an even sorrier way to send Alex and Trey away. Uh, so that just kind of... Uh, Hurt my feelings a little bit. Kind of hurt my heart, too, to watch. Uh, Pearson rode the bench. I, I was surprised Trey and Jalen really didn't get hurt because of the amount of times that they were on the floor. Jalen even shot uh, a shot uh, on his behind. That was pretty interesting uh, and just very entertaining. Uh, Nottingham would again lead the team in the postseason as well, just being the leading scorer for that game. Colton, any any thoughts on the FIU game? Oh, I said it was just sad. Like... You know, I can't, you know, I just transferred here this semester and I saw the first game and I was like, okay, I can get behind this team. And, you know, you just watch them and watch them and you get like really hyped about watching these players play. And then when you get to the FIU game, it's like, okay, we had a bad Sunbelt Conference tournament. Let's rebound. And it looked like they were about to do it, but then they just, well, collapsed. And it's just, it's really heartbreaking seeing like Alex and Trey. You want to send them with like a better season because like, they did so much, and the scene like go out like this. It's like I said, it's heartbreaking. But also another thing that the team had to work through in the FIU game was that uh, they had to take Peacock out as well for an injury that he sustained during the game, and he just couldn't play through it anymore. Uh, but he only, he was only allowed twenty minutes on the floor, which you know Alex Peacock's kind of like the heart and soul of this team. Oh yeah. Also the kind of the heart and soul of the bench when he's on the bench mm-hmm. too and just kind of rallying up the guys and making sure that everybody's head stays in the game. But when you learn that your leading scorer or the first team all conference player is not going to play at one o'clock, Casper said, I thought our guys kind of kept it together for the most part. In place of Pearson, Casper also started Akeem Dashner, who was only starting his second game as a Bobcat. Along with Dashner, the Bobcats rolled out the usual lineup, Jalen Shedd, Trey Nottingham, Alex Peacock, Eric Terry. Uh, but another person that had a really influential game in this was Shelby Adams. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Great game. Mm-hmm. Uh, very impressed with him. He matured a lot. Obviously, as a player oh, yes. over the course of this year, and uh, very looking forward to what this team can do in the future. Obviously, you know Mason Harrell, Oklahoma Gatorade Player of the Year. He's gonna come back. Gonna have an even better year. He led the team at times in scoring. Um, the times, unfortunately, that he did lead the team in scoring, the team came up short, oh, which mm-hmm. is an interesting statistic. Um, but yeah. I'm I'm hoping for a lot for this team. Do you have any expectations for next year, Colton? Yeah, I think the future. Like you got to be excited about the future because, like I said, you've got a lot of people coming back from this team, and you want to see them compete. And I think they do have a good shot at like winning the Sun Belt ter- tournament next year. Like I said, you got Georgia State; their head coach is leaving, so that leaves like basically an opening for like Texas State, UTA, and possibly Troy with their new hiring. So, like I said, it's going to be an exciting season next year. Can you explain that hiring, too? Okay. And firing or (laughs) letting it go or walking away from Georgia State? So, the Georgia State head coach, Ron Hunter. So, he... He's coached Georgia State to, like, a lot of NCAA tournaments. Like, one of his famous moments was when his son hit the three to beat Baylor, and he's falling out of his chair as a win. And it's one of the coolest moments to ever see. But he wants to... He wants to stay in Atlanta. Like, that's his place. He wants to stay there. But 
the Georgia State program is like, no, we don't want you. So he's going to be the new head coach at the Tulane Green Wave. And it's like one of those like head scratchers, like this coach has like led the Panthers to like heights they've never seen before. And you're just going to like let them walk away. And it was just like, you can see everyone's reaction was just like, what are you doing, Georgia State? Like, they had a disappointing first round out against Houston, but I mean... But it's Houston. Like, it's Houston, still Houston, yeah. exactly. Like, Houston went 30-3 and and won the AAC tournament. Like, that's not something you just scoff at. Like, Houston's a really good team. Like, they are made it to the Sweet 16, like... And they're one of the better teams in the tournament, so... so Georgia State, second consecutive time going to the tournament. So mm-hmm. That was really cool. Uh... Well, whatever the Sun Belt lost, uh, Texas State sure gained because hopefully next year, you know, things are a little bit less competitive down the oh, stretch, yeah. especially down the past six games, which proved to be sort of the hardest team for mm. Texas State to overcome. So let's go ahead and stop the violin music here, oh, Colton. Yes. <laughs> uh, we can talk about baseball. We can talk about something pretty pleasant, too, which is just that the baseball team in sort of a rebuilding year mm. is matching up with expectations that a lot of people had and superseding others, uh, namely just that we were able to do well and perform well in conference play uh, over ULM. We almost upset Baylor that one time. Oh, yeah. We played Rice again last night, 1-7-6. I know you on Sunday were at the the game against ULM, and you saw the Titanic music, and you saw Ryan Newman (laughs) hit that grand slam. Oh, my God. That was was one of the coolest moments, like seeing Ryan Newman hit the grand slam and all of a sudden, like, the game is over. Like, it's almost like a walk-off, but still, you got to be excited. But coming into the game, like I said, they're going for the sweep. Like I said, last conference play, they're playing South Alabama, and they only win one out of the three-game series. So you're playing ULM. They're one of, like, the bottom Sunbelt teams. Like, you need to, like, have a big performance. And, well, they basically overseeded our expectations. They ended up sweeping the Warhawks, which I think that's a really big thing because you're competing against Arkansas State and UTA in the West Division in the Sunbelt Conference. We just added a game this week against Sam Houston, too, which Mm -hmm. is sort of the makeup game that we were supposed to have when Bailey was supposed to make the trip to San Marcos, but that that game ended up getting canceled due to weather. But so, like, going Sunday, like, it was the weirdest thing. The first three innings, there was only one hit, and the only hit was, like, a Warhawk bunt. And we were Texas State was leading one nothing. So at one point we were leading the Warhawks with zero hits. So the offense was struggling to get going. But like I said, Connor Reich, oh my gosh, he put on a performance Sunday. Seven innings, like eight strikeouts, the complete game. He was like throwing strike after strike after strike. And like in an interview with him after the game, he said, "Well, it's just about throwing that first strike pitch, and then that's when you get your momentum rolling." And like I said, the offense really didn't come alive until the fifth inning. And like I said, they finally get their first hit, which was a single, and they just kept piling on, piling on, piling on. And like I said, five runs, and you're up five five to one. And then, like I said, Connor Reich continues his strong pitching. They shut, he shuts out the Warhawks. And then we get one run in the sixth, and when that seventh inning, the offense explodes again, and Newman hits the grand slam, sending everyone home happy. And we're starting to get into the, the thick of it where these games start to, you know, mean something and start to, to actually imply things, mm-hmm. too. Uh, so over the weekend, you know, we're going to have to play Appalachian State. What do you think of that team and what do you think of our chances over the weekend? Well, so Appalachian State's kind of middle of the road. They're not at Coastal Carolina and U- USA or South Alabama. Those are probably the top two teams in that East Division. And Appalachian State, about middle of the road. But the thing that's concerning, like you're having to go – 
cross to North Carolina, almost like to the Atlantic Ocean. Like road trips like that, they are going to take a toll. But like I said, yeah, it, it for sure took a toll on the basketball team yes. when they went to Alabama for the last two games. Mm-hmm. But like I said, my expectations are high because like I said, I know like UAM's like winless in conference play, but you they swept the team. They swept the bad team. They were supposed to sweep. And that's what what good teams do. You beat the bad teams, and you beat them convincingly. So taking on Appalachian State, I think we could take two out of three. I th- that's probably, like, my main goal is for the team to take two out of three, like maybe a sweep, but that's, like, setting the bar a little bit too high. Just, like, take two games out of three and just keep rolling with conference play. Yeah, we're sitting at 16-9, and nine, uh, four and 4-2 in conference play with a win streak going on game four right now. Uh, doing pretty good. Mm-hmm. Especially at home, we're eight and four at home, five and three away, three and two at neutral sites, which is a little alarming, but you know, not the um, end of the world. Yeah, it's not like we're playing in Japan or anything. No. What do you think of our our odds against you know later down the season when we start to play you know A and M, we play Texas, and we finish off the season in San Marcos against UTA. Well, I, the main thing I want to see this team is like compete. Like I said, A and M and Texas, they're the top programs in the nation. Like A and M beat Vanderbilt built and then they swept Kentucky and like we're talking about a top 10 team so I'm not if you're expecting Texas State to beat them like just you got to tone down the like expectations like I want to see them compete I want to see like good pitch and like stay in the game at least like kind of like what the Houston series like we were with Baylor the entire game until the very end like yes we lost the game on like a in the very end, but we were competing. And that's what I kind of want to see from the Bobcats, just compete, compete, compete. And when it comes to UTA, like I said, in-state rival, like I said, it's a big rivalry. And like I said, you want to beat your rivals and you want to prove to yourself you are the best team in the Sun Belt. And uh, one of our reporters, Daisy Colon, uh, wrote a season opener article who, in that article, some of the players... Some of the coaching staff, you know, set a few things, a few lofty goals in their Sunbelt Championship, want to compete for a College World Series title, stuff like that. Do you think this team can do that, Colton? I mean, seeing how they were performing now, like, it's not out of the possibility. Like, like seeing their perfor- performance, especially with Rice and UIM, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if they did, like, go out and win the Sunbelt Championship. Like, it's not going to shock me seeing how they're playing right now. Like I said, you're having good pitching from, like, Connor Rack, and then Ryan Newman is being the power of the offense. Like I said, it wouldn't shock me. Hollis is having a pretty Hollis good game. Hollis is pretty, yeah. Hubbard hit a, a game-winning center line drive mm-hmm. yesterday. So, like I said, as long as they keep competing, like, you're going to win games. Like I said, don't. it's not like we're getting blown out. It's like we're staying pretty close with the, all these teams. And softball, still in sort of like the whole rebuilding theme mm-hmm. of this latter portion of the podcast. But how are they doing? And I, I think they've gotten out of sort of this, you know, streak of, you know, mediocrity mm-hmm. slash funk. Yeah, like I said, they kicked off the season with Lafayette. And like I said, Lafayette is like the program in the Sun Ranked Belt. Ranked 25 at the time, too, in the nation. And like I said, they got swept. But like I said, come back against UAM. And like I said, we swept. We went to Monroe and we beat the Warhawks all three games, sweeping them, and now they've got momentum. And like I said, you just want to see these teams compete with baseball, competing with, like, the bigger schools and beating the bad schools. With softball, it's the exact same thing. You want to see them compete with all these Sunbelt teams and with the bigger programs. 
We're at we're at over five hundred though, with mm-hmm. sixteen and fifteen on the season. Uh, we're five and four in conference play, not great, but we have a win streak of six too, so we have some momentum under mm-hmm. our wings. Uh, four and seven at five, or four and seven at home, excuse me. Six and five away, six and three at neutral sides. So, not horrible either. And oh, no. you know the the brunt of our season was at the beginning. So hopefully we can coast into conference play and sort of find a groove, mm-hmm. especially when we play, you know, the Texas State University system, sister school, Lamar University. Um, we're going to play Texas, too. Uh, just try, try to keep in with this, uh, you know, us versus the world, little giants yes. type of story. Uh, we play the University of Houston, April 23rd. So a lot of things to look forward to on both sides oh, yeah. of the Bobcat Ballpark and the softball complex. Well, like I said, it should be an exciting year for, like, softball and baseball. Like I said, we're rebuilding, but like I said, we're not, like, god-awful. It's like we're competing against these schools. Yeah, well, only time will really tell uh, for both of those teams and for both of those uh, sort of sports and the, the narratives that work out individually on the team. Uh, but for now, my name is Jacob Rodriguez. He's Colton McWilliams. This is Cats Got Our Tongues. We'll see you next time.